0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. So Lord, thank you, Pastor Steve. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's really, really, we're delighted to be back home with our church family. Not that we disrespect, or just like the United States, we have tremendous friends and churches over there that have been a great support to the work of God here. You know, for nearly about 28 years, we've been traveling over and back to the United States, usually for about four weeks every every, um, every August is the time we go, and it's a little bit more released here from ministry. And we've been going over to highlight the work of God in Ireland, and to minister in pulpits. so... It's always been twofold. It's been trying to get support coming into the Irish church here that we have really been uh, underfunded as regards a missions part of the world. A lot of people would look at, you know, countries that like... Like, for instance, we're back from Moldova a few weeks ago, ministering there. And I I told you that when I went to Moldova first, there was 99 churches in the entire country. Now there's 440, uh, 14 years later, uh, infrastructure that they're building. So they've really had a massive jump and, got, and rightly so, got great funding coming in from Sweden and Britain and the United States, helping them in their, in their work there. So uh, we've been trying to do that for years. And as a consequence, you know, linking into ministries that come every year to preach at our conferences, the Conlins and Times Square Church and World Challenge, but also too, we're grateful to the American church for helping us down through the years. Uh, even the headset I'm wearing this morning, I hope it won't go bad, but even this, Again, donated uh, by American Christians to us to help us. This thing is about 650 pounds just to buy this microphone thing here. To run a church is not, it's not easy, and it's certainly not cheap to keep your electrics running here in our But It's about, about 4,000 every quarter just just to keep your lights on. Or if, you know, with the bills and stuff, they're massive. But because of your giving and also because of the giving of the church for, for, for years, we have been able to sustain and preach the gospel and uh, build the body of Christ uh, nationally. I do want to bring you greetings from many of the uh, places we've traveled thousands of miles. We were in New York, Jacksonville, uh, Daytona, Orlando, Palm, um, Atlanta, Colorado, and several places in between driving. So we were driving thousands of miles, flying as well. And uh, so it was really out of a suitcase for a long time. Uh, And uh, we're so delighted to be back with you. And for those of you that thought to pray for us. We thank you for that. Uh, we, we are very, very grateful. It is, it is in a strange way, Patrick Dobbin will tell you, because he was just back from ministering at the Young Adults Weekend in Times Square Church. Uh, it is quite lonely because you're in, you're, you're out, you're, 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 you have nobody really familiar around you, and you're moving all the time. But we felt the prayers of, of our church here, and we certainly were so, are so delighted to be back. In fellowship this morning and sensing the presence of the lord here pastor john you brought us around the table of the lord even with that portuguese i was blessed but what you said blessed my heart and uh, ben and the worship team and just to see our wonderful ushers uh, and leaders at the doors just doing their work for the lord protecting the building ushering us keeping us safe functioning this morning with our children the, the many, many leaders that we have that put hours and hours and hours and hours. You know, the worship guys, sometimes they're in here at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You know, these are all working men and women that have full-time jobs and have family lives, etc. And yet, the service that they give us here, uh, week after week. I'm just so grateful to you all for the, for, for the way, the kind spirit in which you minister to the Lord. And we certainly are delighted to be back here this morning with our church family. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time with me because I do, for as long as I remember you, I'm going to pray for Ukraine. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray for the word, but we're also going to pray for the hundreds and thousands of mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters that are mourning this morning the loss of a loved one. As I told you already, nearly 300,000 Ukrainian troops and probably nearly 400,000 now Russian troops. That's a lot of grieving people at that part of the world. Amen lest we become a bit indifferent because we can very easily get I'm okay, Jack. It's good in Ireland. It's a peaceful country. We thank God for that. But let's pray. Raise your hands to the Lord this morning for the grieving moms and dads and for the ones that are brokenhearted that God would bring comfort to them. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would be sent to Ukraine and even to Russia, Lord God, that Lord, you would bring men under conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But Lord, that you would bring peace to that part of the world. We pray, Lord, for the Ukraine. We pray for the grieving moms and dads. We pray, Lord, for those, Lord, pastors that are dealing in the front lines with such devastation of their homes and their churches and their congregations. God, I hear it weekly, Lord, reports coming in, Father. And I pray you sustain them and strengthen them. I pray, Lord, God, you will tell Mr. Putin to bring his armies out, Lord. I pray you bring peace to that part of the world. Only you can do it, Lord. The man can't do it. Man is full of strife, oh God. But we pray now for the precious men and women on all sides that you will come and administrate your grace, Lord, and your mercy. And as we come around your word today, Lord, I pray that it will be something that will touch every heart this morning and that, Lord, most of all, you will be honored and glorified from this pulpit. We bless you for what you've done and what you continue to do in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats this morning. And again, it's so lovely. I was at the back this morning. I had to... I'm getting feedback. Amen. Okay. Obviously, this 600-euro mic isn't working for me. <laughs> Thank you. Am I staying with this? I'm staying with the headset. Yeah, they're working on the headset, Andy. Yeah. Higher sources than you have dictated that I stay with the headphones. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Again, uh, being at the back, just to see uh, new people, I saw some hands there go up, and Pastor Steve said... Uh, if you're here for the first time, lovely to see you, and I, I do hope that uh, you have sense the presence of the Lord here amongst us, and maybe God is leading you to become part of the body here. If you become part of the body here, come ready to also be part of it, not just to draw, but to, to, to give and to be a part of the ministry life of the church, that we can, as we sang in that song, uh, magnify the Lord with me, come and glorify his name together, Amen. Praise God. Actually, in fact, in, in New York, we were at the conference in New York, uh, Shane and Shane, who wrote that song with their, and I said to Pastor Steve, it was definitely a highlight of, the, of that conference, though, just worshipping with the brethren, with Shane and Shane doing worship. It was an awesome sense of the presence of the Lord. If you have a Bible, we're going to look this morning. It's a well-known passage of the Scriptures, Second Chronicles, in chapter 26. Uh, the title of my message is Above Everything Else, Guard Your Heart. It's actually taken thats taken from Proverbs 4, verse 23. Uh, Solomon says, Above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You don't want your spirit to get corrupted. Amen? You don't want to have a fixed body and yet a broken heart or an embittered spirit. That's always perverted, you know, that's always... Um, Shady, that's always, you know, uh, paranoid, uh, and always not, never walking in victory. That is so not what God wants for you today. And God doesn't want you to, to have all the exterior looking right, but at the very core of you, you're shaky, you know, and your heart is, is the issue. Now, we're going to read uh, from verse 5, chapter 26, and, sorry, verse 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding in the visions of God and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now when now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gurbal, and against the Mennonites, and also against the Ammonites, uh, brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt for he became exceedingly strong. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, and then at the valley gate, and at the corner of the buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. Also he built towers in the desert. He, he dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and, uh, and in Carmel, for he loved the soil." Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the number of their role as prepared by G.L., the scribe, and Manasseh, the officer under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of chief officers of of the mighty men of valor was 2,600, and under their authority was an army of 307 1,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against his enemies. Then Uzziah prepared for them the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows and slings and casts and stones. He made devices in Jerusalem. He inv- invented by skillful men, skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide For he was marvelously helped till he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It's not good for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord, your God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hands to burn incense, and while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord, besides the incense altar. And Azariah and the chief priests and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper unto the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And that ends our reading this morning. Very, very sad finish. a very very great man he was a young man when he took the throne 16 i think he was he ruled for 52 years he was the second longest reigning monarch for israel uh second only i think to manasseh and uh, he was uh, one of the great kings sorry of judah he was one of the great kings of judah he was he was uh, a man that had vision he was a man that was helped greatly by God. He was, a, he, was a, he was a man of the earth. He was a man of the soil, but he was a man of warfare and commerce, and he was multi-talented, multi-gifted. It says he built towers in Jerusalem, fortified them, dug wells, invested into the land. But something happened in his journey. Something happened in his heart. His heart began to turn uh, proudful. He, he started to, to, to believe in himself. Don't believe in yourself, friends. That is a false narrative. You believe in God. That's, if there's any greatness in your life, if there's any greatness in my life, it's not because of us, it's because of Him. The Bible says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You know, it's, it's only the goodness and the mercy of God that we have anything in this life. We deserve nothing. Uh, and so, but this man, this young, this now older man, he, oh, the years of prosperity, he made war against his enemies, he took back lands that the Philistines had taken. Ashkelon and Ashdod and all these places and he established the testimony of the Lord. He brought righteousness with him, the worship of God. But somewhere along his journey and these accounts in the scripture are given for, us, for our instruction and admonishment. The reason we read our Bibles is because they, they are really a mirror of ourselves. If I were king, maybe I would be like Uzziah. I used to always think as a young guy, if I was Adam, I would have never bitten that apple. <laughs> But Adam was put there to show you you're just like Adam. Okay? You read into every narrative, you can see yourself. And that's the reality of it. It, You know, there's something about the heart. As I said, Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived, he said, You know, guard it, guard your heart. Don't let something sink into your spirit that will take the blessing of God out of your life. Don't let an arrogance and a pride rise up in you that would, that would cause the, 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 the sense of the, the, the presence and glory of God to just withdraw from you and leave you to your own devices. Shutter the thought this morning, should God leave us to our own devices? Shutter the thought that if all of a sudden he says, okay, I'm going to give you over to what you want to do. That's Romans 1, friends. If you don't know what Romans 1 is, you can go read it. But it had given you over to your own thought process, giving you over to your own sense of what you feel is right. God had given this man in verse five, he had given him understanding. This man had an understanding of the word. This man had an understanding of the workings of God. This man was no ordinary man. This was a God touched king. Fantastic man. Everything it says, he sought the Lord. Even the word sought, it's drash. It means he sought God for the right motives. He didn't sought to seek the Lord to make him prosperous. He didn't seek God to make it. there was a time in his life where he sought the Lord for who the Lord was. There was a sense of that, that desire to know God. Even at 16, he grew up in the palace. His father was Amaziah. He'd seen the great rain around him. He's used to pomp and ceremony. But there's something in the heart of this young man that wanted to see the glory of God. There was something very noble in his journey, something very powerful. And uh, and, and God gave him understanding. He acknowledged, friends, that was probably way above his years. He sought God. And the word to seek means to seek for the purposes of worshiping and inquiring. Not like many of us, we seek God for something for our lives. You know, our seeking in the face of God. Oh, God, bless my finances. Oh, God, heal my body. Oh, God, touch my home. Oh, God, give me this job. Oh, God, help me pass this exam. No, his seeking was for the presence of God to be in his life. There was a time when it was very real for him. There was a time when his faith really meant something. That he understood what David had said. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the ungodly or in their palaces or to have their wealth because he knew if he had Christ he had everything. And without him, nothing made sense. And the longer I live, I am a testimony to that. Nothing makes sense without him. You're leaving it all behind. You know, no sooner climb the mountain that you think that you have to overcome, the the mortgage that you always wanted, the home that you always wanted, the vacation you always desired to have, only to say c'est la vie, bye-bye. You have to leave it all behind. And all of a sudden, this world becomes a little less attractive, and the things of heaven become a bit more beautiful to you. That's called growing up in your understanding of what life is really about. But something went backward in his life. He became proud in his successes. His heart was lifted up. Now, the word heart here is lebe. And when it talks about that, it's widely used about the feelings and intellect and wisdom. His feelings, his intellect, his wisdom. He became too big for his boots. He became a bit of a knoll. You know, and, and he, was, he started to learn how to do it. Somewhere along his journey, that intimacy, With the Lord ceased and he was running just on pure understanding and knowledge and education. His natural craft as a statesman. I want to tell you the Bible says, even the young man will utterly faint. There comes a time you can get so far on your craft. There comes a time you can get so far on your intellect. There comes a time you can get so much on your strength. But you will utterly faint, the Bible says, but those who wait upon the Lord. I said those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's something, there's something for all of us, friends, because waiting upon the Lord is something that we can all do. Waiting upon the Lord is something that is open to all of us. There is no exclusions here. You are not a small person or a big person. You are a person that God loves, and should you take the time to come into his presence, he will always meet with you. And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know, if if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I, I, I will fellowship with you. Pastor John was saying that this morning around the table of the Lord. It's, it's a fellowship time. It's a time of communion. It's a time of remembrance as well. But it's that intimacy. Uh, and there can be greater depths of that revelation at different breakings of bread. There's sometimes you're caught with the cross to such a point that you just weep for the cost. There's other times you feel the, the immense love of God. There's other times there's that intimacy of the spirit. There's other times we're a little bit indifferent. We just kind of do it because that's what we do. May God touch our hearts this morning. Thank God there's no condemnation. He walks the journey with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's just another break in the bread. Next time you say, oh Lord, I'm gonna press in. I wanna sense what you're saying and doing in my life. And somehow this man's heart became lifted up. Feelings of intellectual wisdom and strength and arrogance and pride begin to fill him. And of course, he becomes a little bit, he becomes a little bit driven by, by scheming and planning. He's not hearing God anymore. When he wants something, he plans it himself. He's been so used to the intellectual way of doing things for a while that he's not waiting upon the Lord, and so it's it's all about his plan now rather than God's plan. And he has this thinking, you know, he's at the peak of his life as a a king. His people love him. You know, he's he's fortified them. His fame has gone to the nations, even to the very corridors or doors of Egypt. People are hearing his name. He has a large army. He's got 2,000 plus officers. I mean, it is a really prosperous time. This is probably one of the greatest prosperous moments in the history of Judah. And yet, he becomes a little bit bored. He becomes a little bit bored, friends. I just want to warn you this morning. He became a little casual with the things of God. And it always starts with being a little casual. The Bible warns us about a little folding of the arms. This says, because of laziness or casualness, the house decays. You know, and folding of the arms, a little bit of apathy in his life. No more seeking God, but just running on the best of his natural thinking. And this is, this is what fueled his, uh, you could say, his, his, late, his latest experiment. And he takes it in his mind that, you know, I'm the king. I've done all this prosperity. He didn't have nothing because of me. Don't you think for one second that there would be nobody, no church here, uh, nothing because of you. If there wasn't a you, God would raise up somebody else. It's because of him. Amen. I've, sensed, I've seen that many years ago. My wife knows me. Even in the work of God here, I am not the beginning, the end of anything. It's his church, his work, his way. If I'm God, he takes, he'll take somebody else. He will use anybody that will just step up to be used. Amen. All the glory that is in our world is, is go, it goes to Christ and Christ alone. But he becomes a little bit entitled. He becomes a little bit bored. He becomes a little bit scheming. He has an agenda. Now, you know, an agenda is a plan or a scheme. And then we all have our agendas. We have to be very careful about our agenda. We better make sure that our agenda is truly his agenda. Never listen to your heart unless your heart is inquiring of God. No matter what, people come to me all the time and say, I feel this and I feel that. I say, I don't care what you feel. I want to know what God's saying. Amen. I, pay, I hear people all the time saying, the Lord told me. And I, I know the Lord hasn't told them. It's just a trump card that people like to play. You know, they think that the pastor will back down when you say, thus said the Lord. Try that one on me. I won't, be back, I won't be backing down. But if God is truly speaking to you, I'll hear it as well. Amen. Because men of the spirit hear the same things. People of the Spirit, there's a, there's a meeting of the Spirit. There's, this is God. There's been many times, even in my function as a minister here, that my own staff have come and said, I think we should do this. And there's times I've withstood it. And I don't think that's right. But as many times I said, I think we should do it. And they said, we don't think this is right. And they were right. And, then, and I knew they were right. And there's other times we come together and say, we're going to do this. And they said, we feel this is from the Spirit. Then we got, we got it. Amen. Because people that are walking with the Holy Spirit will always land upon that wonderful, humble place of saying, All I want to see with my life and my fortune is to see God glorified. Amen. It's not to push my agenda, but he had his own agenda. His own agenda was that I'm a little bit bored where God has placed me. I, you know, the people are in the temple, and I think I have every right because Solomon did it and David did it. I think I can go in and I can offer incense before the lord but the the, the the ritual of the temple had now been in place for a long time and it was the duty only of the levites the sons of aaron to be able to go into the holy place and to offer that incense before the lord but yet he wanted to dominate everything are you a dominating person do you want to be everywhere your dna over everything yeah yeah everything you say it must be heard above your peers you can't acknowledge someone else in their position or their role and say, God's put you there. Just function, amen. Actually, I was thinking about that this morning, about the men and women that functioned in this church. When I started the ministry here with my wife, my mom and my dad and some of my family, you know, we did everything. You know, you batted at every post. You were the Sunday school teacher. Well, I wasn't the Sunday school teacher, but you, I led worship, opened the meeting, closed the meeting, preached shook everybody's hand, you know, and you did everything at the beginning, but it's a great time of stepping back and saying, thank God, amen, that it's not about me anymore, amen. It was never about me even then, but there's times you begin to acknowledge and see the validity of those who function around us. I was walking out this morning just to get the guys to put on some air, and I see Morris at the back, just at his post as the leader of the church here, just helping, facilitating the church. And I just think, wow, what a steady man i I don't need to check if he's there he's always there out downstairs and this Frank Hefe. You know, I was going to say, Frank, you look like a gargoyle, but you don't. You just look like a warrior standing down there protecting the church, amen, and and watching the atmosphere. And I just say, I don't need to ask men like this. They they are the gifting that are there. And it's not just that. There's multiples in the house of God that just function for God. Thank God I don't need to be running up and down stairs. I shouldn't have done it this morning because the guys had everything under control anyhow. But praise God, you can see the validity and the blessing of the people of God around you. And, and so he began to delegitimize his leadership. I can do what they can do. Who's Azariah? Anyhow, what has he ever done for the nation? He goes in, I'm, I'm the one that God has established, and there's pride in his heart and he goes in. He goes in, of course, to offer incense and to act in a priestly role, which is not his calling. Don't step into something that God hasn't called you to. Don't be stepping in other people's ministries if God hasn't called you there. And if he has called you in, there's a way to do it. Amen. There's a humble way where God, the Bible says a man or a woman's giftings will make room for them. Don't be so fickle and and so easily uh, insulted or so easily upset because people don't immediately respond to your first or second overture to be part of something. Amen. If your heart is to give, it should be the same heart tomorrow. Amen. Amen. If your heart is to serve, it should be in you. Oh, I'm, not, I'm never going to serve them. They didn't see my ministry. They didn't recognize my call. Co- oh, please, that is such a, a Uzziah sort of spirit. That is such a heart that is something is seated into your heart. And you're here this morning, and God is saying something to you because he doesn't want you to go the same direction as Uzziah. And so he went into the temple of the Lord and he assumed something he shouldn't have done. He usurped the authority of the house of God. He went in, he put on an ephod. Oh, he looked very spiritual held a big Bible under his arm. <laughs> he walked up to the aisles as everyone was worshiping. He stepped up as the preacher was preaching. and said, I've got something to say. And then he takes the incense and he starts to offer incense to the Lord. And Azariah, the king, the, the, the priest, I have to hand it to this man. He's looking at certain debt. He's, he's looking at certain This is the king. At a moment's notice, the king can have his guard in and take his head off. And they would have thought nothing of it in those days. To usurp the authority of the king. The king walks in. Appearing to be spiritual. I call it mutton dressed up as lamb. There's something so wrong about it. He looks so holy. He's got all the right moves. He's learned them of course. He, you know, how, how the priest should move. He's learned all the genre. He's gone through it, I'm sure, in his, te- in his castle, how you should be and how regal and spiritual to look like. He's got all his words right. He's probably recited some of the Psalms as he walks up. He's shrouded himself in spiritual mystery. But yet there's a lifted up heart at the very core of this man, that God, re- God loves Uzziah. You must remember this, God deeply loves Uzziah. God brought him out of obscurity, well, not obscurity, brought him at 16 in maturity and brought him to a place of great, great uh, grandeur and loves this man. And yet there's something here that has gotten into his heart. And of course, Amaziah, the priest, the high priest, he withstood him. What a brave man. The flesh will always have its own reasoning and doing it its own way, it's always calculating to try to win respect. Try to present himself. Try to promote himself. Stop trying to present and promote yourself. Humble yourself. Are you hearing me this morning? Because this is not just about in the house of God here. This is within your life, within your home, within your marriage, in front of your children. You don't always have to be the loudest voice and thump the table. You don't have to, through emotional, you know, tuggery windy moment. Just times, friends, where words are enough. If you say them the right way, the wisdom will be received or not received. The consequences of that are not yours. You can't push your way. You shouldn't push your way. You should let God make a way. That's the battle for you and I. God will make a way. God will make a way. But you know, the anger of man will not never bring about the righteousness of God. It can never do it, friends. The belligerence of our behaviour can never bring about stability. It will always just add to the confusion. And the instability. He was calculating. And here he's trying to present himself and promote himself in the house of the Lord. He's wearing his ephod. The lifting up of one's heart can manifest itself in many ways. The greatest and most deviant of this pride is when we try and get God to agree with our agenda. That has been one of the most horrendous things I've seen Christian people fall out with one another because. They're pushing their own agenda. And they become so belligerent that there is blood left in the carpet. There is, it's not, there's no gentleman behavior here. There's no kindness. There's no, there's no Christ-like spirit. It's nothing other than abusive. Oh, they may not take out their fists, but they do it with their voices. And yet that's a Uzziah spirit. That's the lifting up the heart. That is not what God, that's not what Christ would do. God tells you to do this and to do that, but you say, no, 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 God, I have a better way of doing it. Uzziah is not quite as good an orator as I. I think an apostle Paul, when he talked of his own apostolicship, ship, and apparently he, he didn't see himself as a great speaker. Apparently Apollos was the eloquent one, and the other apostles were quite eloquent. And Paul says, I, you know, I'm one that's born out of time anyhow, and these men are eloquent speakers. And, you know, and it's, it's not about your eloquence or your lack of eloquence. I'm sure, as, I'm sure Uzziah was saying, you know, I'm sure I could deliver a far better homily than that, Azariah. I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the, the smoke and I'll do all the sermon and I'll stand behind and I will declare to the people a word from God. I want to tell you, friends, it's not about your talent either. You could come up here and be as eloquent or you could go anywhere and be eloquent. If you don't have the presence and the Spirit of God in you, I'm telling you, friends, it's worth nothing. It's worth nothing. It's empty words. The Bible says that Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, talked about these sort of people, empty clouds. There's no rain there. They offer you something, there's nothing at the end of it. There's no sustenance, but it tickles the ears. It massages the ego. It can feel good. It can militarize you in a way, but it's not the presence of God. No, God, I have a better way of doing it. I think of Ananias and Sapphira of Acts chapter 5. We know that there was a great revival in the, in the early church and a couple that were attached to the church. The Holy Spirit must have been resting. I was thinking about them on the plane coming over and Ananias and Sapphira. There was a move of the Holy Spirit, unparalleled move of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts at the birth of the church. It's the most sensitive time. It's a time when that foundation has to be clean. It's a time where the Holy Spirit won't tolerate any nonsense because it's the birth of his church. No defect. The foundation has to be right. This has to be a Holy Spirit-led and and journeyed uh, existence for the body of Christ. And this couple, who are believers, the Holy Spirit speaks to them to sell a a, a, a field and to bring the the, the value of that field and give it to the apostles so that the poor could be fed and looked after. And they know the instruction of God, but they held something back. There's something. There's an ego in the heart. There's an agenda. There's a plan. You know, and I can imagine as they were walking from their home with their bag of money from selling the land, it's their land, it's their money. They don't need to do anything with it other than they had an instruction from God to give it, but they didn't. They had an agenda, they had a plan. Well, you know what? I, I don't want to trust it. I don't want to trust those disciples with my full tide. I'll hold some of it back. You know, uh, you know I don't know if they're very good in stewarding. It's, it's not what you think, friends. You give because God told you to give. Amen. You, you, you walk with God and there was an agenda of purpose in their heart. And I can only imagine the striving of the Holy Spirit as they walked to the meeting. And God is saying, no, don't do that. Don't, don't go with that agenda. Don't keep that in your heart. It's going to seed into your spirit. It's going to destroy something that I want to do in your life. And of course, they kept up the charade and they kept up the, up the, up the awful sense of a, you know, lying to the people, and lying to the Spirit of God. And we all know how that ended. The Holy Spirit did strike them both dead. And here's Uzziah. Censor in hand, swinging the incense before the presence of the Lord. And that Messiah withstanding him. And all those valiant priests. The flesh always has its reasoning. He looks great. Thank God for spiritual men though. Thank God men who are prepared to stand up and say, that's not right. That's not God. I see it even when I travel. In churches, I see so much of the flesh and even, even the devil moving. And, 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 and men are not having the character to stand up and protect the house of God, protect the church of God, protect the testimony of Christ. More worried about bottom line, more worried about what the people think. You know, there was no, wor- no such worrying. Amaziah was more concerned in what God thought. Not what the king thought. He was ready to make a stand and he made a stand and he went up to the king and he confronted him. You know, and I don't think for one second he was confronting him out of disrespect. I don't read that at all. He, he, he was pleading with him. As the Holy Spirit pleads with us, don't, don't try to bring your agenda. Don't try to press your own way. Don't try to establish yourself. That's not the way of the Spirit. My ways are not your ways. It is, this house, your life, my life has to be built by God. Not by our manipulation, not by us trying to get God to bend the rules for us or short circuit us in some way to greatness or establishment, but we have to rely upon Him, and He withstood the king. And I just think the, the tremendous uh, uh, brave, braveness of this man, courage of this man, and all that is facing absolute certain death by confronting the king. We know what happened. The king is enraged. He's enraged that someone would speak to him. It's amazing, isn't it, when we're offside and the Holy Spirit of God catches us out. You know, God, as I said before, he's not petulant and silly and petty. He's not trying to catch you out like a kind of gotcha moment. Ha, gotcha now. Won that argument. We're like that. We're petty. You know, we, 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 There's that level of ego that I've trumped this one and I've won that argument with someone. It's so pathetic. It's so not what Jesus was. I think that Jesus when he's before Pilate he could have had loads of catcher moments. He knew the heart of all men. He knew exactly what Pilate was struggling with. He could have thrown it back in Pilate's face. Ah, your career is failing. You don't even know what to do here. Your wife has told you. He didn't. He opened out his mouth, friend. Sometimes you don't need to open your mouth. You just need to stand and what you know to be true and let the truth speak for itself. And I just think of this, this, kid, this priest as he stood up for the Lord. And I want to tell you this morning, for you and I to stand in this time, it's going to take a lot of courage. It's going to take a lot of courage for you and for me to stand in this crooked and perverse generation. Yeah, you know, just to stand on what we believe. And, and, you know, not just declare what we believe, but to stand on what we believe, to continue. Tomorrow morning is Monday. We do exactly what we did this morning. We wake, we give thanks to God, we read our Bibles, we go into the workplace, we try to honor the Lord, regardless of what agendas are going in society, regardless of what the government do with hate speech or not, regardless of what your employer says or not, we have to be what we are, amen? And just simply put one foot in front of the next and let God establish us. And if we live, we live. And if we die, we die. And if we can't pay the mortgage because they fire you from position because you will not do an abortion, you will not validate a lifestyle, that's not righteous. Well, so be it. The Bible says, you know, great, great shall be your reward, the scripture says. And so Amaziah withstood him and it said that leprosy broke out on the head of Uzziah. You can imagine God struck him. I've seen people struck with spiritual leprosy, mental leprosy. I've seen people struck down physically in their bodies, and it wasn't because God was being petty with them. It was because God was trying to turn them. He tried to turn them, turn them away from the foolishness, turn them away from their own plans, turn them away from their own hardness of heart, lifting them up, thinking that there's something when you're nothing, thinking that you're great when you're not. There's only one great, and his name is Jesus. There's only one truth, and it's not your truth or my truth. It's his truth. There's only one way, friends, and should we walk in his way, humble ourselves and submit to the authority and the power and the word of God, then God establishes us uh, and his testimony in us and he provides for us. That is what God promised you and I, but when we try to make it up, well, when we try to set the course, when we try to manipulate the room, when we try to stack the odds in our favor, when we try to work with the arm of flesh, have you noticed when you've done it in the past it didn't work? Have you noticed and should it work? Have you regretted it? I have. I remember many times getting my own agenda through and oh, I was a rock I could have perished on only but for the grace of God. I remember many times winning an argument, uh, having a momentary satisfaction but losing your friendship for life. Oh, what a waste. Have you lived like that? Giving people a piece of your mind, give them a piece of your heart. Hallelujah. Tell them you love them. Regardless, humble yourself. Of course, leprosy broke out on his forehead, just a spot. When he saw it, of course, he panicked himself. He, he knows that God struck him. It says that Amaziah and the priests were trying to help him out the door. In other words, they were bouncing him out the door. But he was ready to go when he saw that he was broke out with leprosy on his forehead. But the sad thing about this man, this great king, 42 years reigning, the man of the earth, a man of industry, a man of commerce, a man of great political prowess, a man of great spiritual depth, a man that was known as a great, great king and ruler from the age of 16. Now, because he overstepped his position, rather than humbling himself and coming to God, What did he do? The Bible says he dwelt in an isolated house the rest of his days. What a sad thing to do, friends. Maybe some here this morning, you're under the chastisement of God because you were trying to force your own agenda. But the chastisement of God is not petulant and foolish. It's not childish. It's not to hurt you. It's to bring you to a place. Had he only come to the Lord and said, Oh God, I have overstepped. I have touched your anointing. I've touched your people. I've moved beyond what you've called me to be. I wasn't happy where I was, where, where I was set. And many of you this morning, you're not happy where you are. You need to learn how to be happy where you are. Because only when you're happy where you are, will God ever begin to even think about moving you on. You know, to be happy, right? I'm happy to be where I am right now. This is where God has me. I'm going to learn how to walk with the Lord here. I'm going to learn how to listen and hear the voice of God. I'm going to learn, you know, because this is where God has me. This is where God is going to use me. This is where the me of God is meant to be. In my home or workplace or college or wherever you find yourself. Be happy in Jesus. Amen. Don't be trying to promote yourself. Don't try to get an agenda or a plan. Don't try to bend God to your will. God forbid that he gives you what you ask for. It would be terrible. I remember sharing this, this message many years ago here at the church. I remember sharing the story of a young man. He, was a, he, he finished in, 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 in CIT in Cork in marine engineering. He was part of our church, a, very, a young man, very handsome. He loved the Lord. He had everything ahead of him. And as part of his career, he finished, he had to go to sea for a year as part of his training to become a marine officer. And while at sea, we didn't see him for a whole year. But when we saw him, when he came back, he didn't come back to church. We didn't see him for weeks and weeks after he returned. And actually, it was a couple of months later, I bumped into him. I can't quite remember where. I won't mention his name. Was just let's call was his name John. It's not John. And I met him, and I said, John, where have you been? And he looked at me. His countenance was different. His attitude was different. He was hard. There was a hardness in his face. It wasn't the young man I remembered. He said, it doesn't work. And I said, what doesn't work? He said, this Christianity doesn't work. I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, before I left to go to sea, he said, I loved the Lord and I was in church and I was honoring the Lord and I went to sea and I fell at sea. What he meant is that he started drinking at sea and he started messing around with the girls in the ports, the typical sailor type of lifestyle. He said, it doesn't work. I said, it does work. He said, it doesn't. I said, no, it does. I said, can I ask you a question, John? Did you ever ask God, should you be a Marine officer? Did you ever ask God, should you go to sea? Or did you just have a plan for your life and expect God to bless it? Because that is exactly where we end up as Christians. I will be this. I will be that. You will be what God puts into your heart and nothing else, amen? And that's where you're going to be happiest. And that's where you're going to experience the glory of God, whether it's at a king's table, friends, or whether it's digging a ditch, it doesn't matter. Because the glory of God will be with you and the blessing of God be upon your family. And I'd rather be that doorkeeper than to dwell in the tents of unrighteous people, friends. I'd rather be the lowest in the kingdom than the highest in the earth. I'd rather be close to the presence of God than having the fanfare of fickle majorities of people around me. And so this young man, he looked at me. I said, you never once, and how many of us made major decisions with our lives? Getting in over our heads financially, going down career routes that we've never time, Not one time, ask God, is this right for me? Relationships, friendships, expenditures, it's not your money, Christian, it's his money. You need to ask for permission. Do so I hear amen. amen? And the agendas that we bring to the Lord, oh, it's so sad. We are scoring so many own goals in our own lives because we never sought the lord he stopped seeking the lord and everything else came out with the best of his thinking the best of his strategizing i want to tell you friends there's nothing at the end of that sort of living but pain and yet in the midst of all that he leaves the house of god he never returns into the presence of god in the scriptures he's bitter of soul he's dwelling in an isolated house oh if he would only return and humble himself god would have healed him Oh, God would have restored him to the position that he had put him in. He may not have died at that age. He may have lived to be 100 years old, who knows, and reigned for so many more years. But yet he let into his own heart that bitterness that came from his own folly. Oh, I tell you, protect your heart. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart this morning. Don't let yourself become bitter against your spouse. Don't let yourself become bitter against your your friends and your, the body of Christ, your family. Don't let yourself become bitter against the boss who probably deserves it, but don't be bitter. Be prayerful. Be kindly. Be Christ-like. Don't get God to, uh, to join your program and say, this is a good idea. Your life and my life are not running good ideas. They must be running God's ideas. They are only heard in the place of prayer. They're only heard when you tune the fiddle and listen to the Lord and open the word and pray and seek him. You will not hear a word from the Lord unless you're doing that openly before Him. But somehow He forgot all those basic things and He dwelt in an isolated house. Oh, Christian, there's a solution. There's a solution. I'm going to finish with the solution. There's no glory in His life. He's a leper, He's in an isolated house. But God gives us the solution. Isaiah writes it in chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting high on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The solution this morning is that Isaiah, the Isaiah heart has to die. And if you this morning and I this morning come in true humility to the Lord, and say, oh God, I started well, but somewhere along the journey, I, I, got, I was trying to force you to agree to my agenda. Somewhere along this line, God, I stopped seeking you. Somewhere along the line, I thought my own ideas were enough. Somewhere along the line of this journey, God, I thought I had, I had it all together, I don't need to learn anymore, and you're always learning. That has to die. That Uzziah spirit has to die. And maybe this morning, before we leave, we might spend a couple of moments rather than rushing out these doors. Maybe we should deal with our hearts today. Maybe something is seated into your heart. Maybe there's been a neglect. Maybe you haven't sought the Lord for a long time. You're running in empty and you're running on the best of a natural mind. It was the great B.H. and used to say, every, I used to hear him preach it all the time, the best of a natural mind is still only a natural mind. You and I need the mind of Christ for endurance and survival and success. We, you and I are not the most brilliant ones, friends. Actually, there's nobody quite brilliant. We're all foolish. But even if you think by your, your own admissions, no, friends, we're not the brilliant ones, but we are the saved ones. And we are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God, and therefore we are the sons of God and the daughters of God. Will you stand this morning as we, just for a few moments, contemplate our own walk with the Lord because you're not to stand back and think this is for another person's heart you have a long life to live you have lots of journey ahead if you christian but maybe this morning you say oh lord my heart like Uzziah's, has been lifted up and that needs to die the year that king Uzziah died i saw the lord high and lifted up the day you begin to die to self listen to me this morning whatever your plans are if you die to them and say, God, I don't want my plans anymore. I now see that they brought leprosy into my life. I died to it in Jesus' name. The day you say that before the Lord in honesty, that's the day the Uzziah spirit dies in you. And the glory of God becomes revealed in your life. I see the Lord high and lifted up. You die to your own plans. You must, Christian. Because if you don't, your desires and your plans will kill you. They'll bring you down to Sheol. They'll bring you down to the grave empty. This morning, I'm going to open the altar. I know we're running a little late, but please. You can't continue on your plans and your agendas and try to get God to agree and me to agree with it and other people to agree with it. Humble yourself. Come to the altar this morning as we worship the Lord. Let's pray together that God would touch our hearts. That we, collectively as a church, individually as well, would say, Lord, I died to that. Uzziah spirit that I've seen rise up inside of me. Self-exalting, self-promoting, thinking I'm something when I'm not. Trying to craft my way through the life. Oh, I die to it. I die to it in Jesus' name. Close your eyes right across the church this morning. Raise your hands to heaven and say, God, I die to that. I die, oh God. Lord God, I want to see your glory. I want to see Uzziah die in my life. I want that spirit to be gone. That presumption, Lord God, that I have all the answers that I can force my way through life. Oh God, I have to come humbly this morning. Come forward this morning, if the Lord's touching your heart, we're gonna pray with you. And let the Holy Spirit do a renewing in you. Let the Holy Spirit renew your heart. Let the Holy Spirit fill you up again. That you don't leave this house under condemnation or under fear, but leave there this morning with the glory of God upon your life, amen. With a sense of vision again. That's my prayer for you. As we worship the Lord this morning, this altar is open. We have a few minutes left to spend in the presence of the Lord, but let that Uzziah spirit die and let's see what God will resurrect in you. Let's see the supernatural return into your life. Let's see the glory of God come. Let's see one of the greatest manifestations of his presence in your and my life, in our collective life as a church, that God would rise among his people, that the glory of the Lord would rise amongst us. Hallelujah. Come on, church, worship him this morning. You need to be coming to this altar, then come to this altar. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. I don't leave indifferent. I don't leave the same way you came in here. It will be a waste of two hours of your life this morning and a waste of this preaching should you walk out the same way as you came in. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Say, Lord, your will, not my will. Hallelujah. Your will, Lord, your agenda, your plan. Forgive me, Lord, for forcing my own way. My foolishness, my pride, have gotten in the way. Hallelujah! As you come this morning, we're going to worship. Ben, you got a song? Lead us this morning. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's come to this altar together. Hallelujah, Lord! Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us, info at courtchurch.com, or just check out our website. It's www.courtchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time.